Today on the Free Thinking Podcast, we have Rumi Bose from the London Borough of Southwark, facilitator of The Low Line, the overall winner of this year's new London Architecture Awards. Hello, Rumi. Morning, lovely to be here. So, so I was going to ask you, the things about The Low Line that you're working on, I am fascinated by. And so the beginning, how did it start, which I think is, is nearly 10 years ago now? Well, for people who don't know, it's um, the low line is is really a walking route um, that follows the historic railway viaducts that span Southwark and beyond, just south of the river. And it connects great landmarks such as Borough Market and Southwark Cathedral, London Bridge, um, Spa Terminus. And the whole idea is about enhancing these links where they're broken and creating a new revitalized route um and and leading visitors off the beaten track and into into areas um that possibly they haven't seen or experienced before and um really celebrating the the heritage of railway arches um that we have in London and it was all it was all started by a local resident um actually a retired local architect um named David Stevens and he coined the expression um a low line as part of an ideas competition that was held back in 2012 i think by the landscape institute um and David sketched a route. He sketched this route which which kind of ran adjacent to the arches and linked up um, through historic Bankside, linked up London Bridge and Waterloo stations. Um, so that that was the idea. And, and while the idea wasn't the winner, it really did win the hearts and minds of people in in Southwark. And it really sowed the seeds of something very captivating, um, including um, you know the owners of of the Viaduct Network Rail at the time. Um, so that's how it all started. Um, and this, this, of course, if you remember, was back in the days of localism yeah. when uh, we saw changes in the planning system whereby neighbourhood communities could take charge of a local plan. And, and that's what was happening in the background. So there was a neighbourhood plan being prepared by the Bankside and Borough, Borough and Bankside community who embraced this idea of the low line and wanted to incorporate it into that document. So that's how, if you like, the low line was put to paper for the first time. Um, as it turned out, um, the neighbourhood plan ended up sort of fizzling out. They didn't have enough, you know, the adequate resources to, to plan such a document that you know, wasn't unique. It, it happened. Um, it happened quite a lot. But in the end, the local business improvement district, Better Bankside, um, they sort of adopted the low line. Um, and then since then, it's shaped and it's grown and it's it's formed its own identity, entity, almost in its own right. Um, and we now have a working group and a friends of group who meet regularly. We, we go for walks along the low line. We share ideas. We put together funding bids to deliver projects. Um, so yeah, it's it's really up and running now. Um, and it's very I exciting. It's, 
It's it's such a wonderful project, and I, I love the way it grows organically and that body language you're using there of you know this drawing a line and then going there's a thing here and a thing here and a thing here and the fact that there's this virtuous circle between the way you and the working group are walking the route to then it becoming ever more granular with each conversation and and tell me a bit more about how you're I suppose Southwark Council rallying because you're rallying developers and landlords and occupiers and community around a shared vision but that I think often what happens is that's quite formal and then ask everybody to take part where it sounds like you're really sharing the pen around can you tell us a bit about how that how that works yeah, I mean, in a couple of different ways, I think. I mean, as you've said, you know, it, the low line is a fantastic example of collective impact mm. um, and how such a, a powerful concept is shaped organically and, and piecemeal by these diverse stakeholders. And we all share an interest in this wonderful idea. Um, so we've got we've got the working group of of like minded partners. So that's made up of of borough Borough Market, the Arch Company, Network Rail, the Council, and and three neighbouring bids. So we have Better Bankside, Team London Bridge, and the Blue Bermondsey, whose areas all include the East West Low Line. Our role as as the council um, is kind of twofold. So one is advocacy. So we are advocates of this idea. We collaborate with our partners. Um, it's long-term dialogue um, with the landowners, um, sharing ideas, really to ensure that this long-term placemaking vision of the low line is achieved. And we bring along our friends and our stakeholders with us on, the, on this unique journey. Um, and we've definitely formed a good approach, an organic approach um but the other kind of bit to our role which which is kind of the clout if you like is 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 the policy so we have underpinned this organically evolving jigsaw through planning policy um, and we've kind of embedded what we want to see in in our southern plan so that then carries weight and anyone coming along who wants to kind of develop a you know a piece of land near the low line or you know on the low line has to kind of look at that policy and engage with the low line and make sure that um development supports the implementation of, of those low line routes and doesn't hinder or obstruct um and creates those links um through the arches etc um so that's that's pretty powerful as well. Yeah, I think that point on advocacy, I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're not, a lot of people I've spoken to recently speak of facilitation, not curation. And then, you know, the fact that it needs to grow from the spirit of this place. And so I remember you telling me about the, uh, was it talking about Blue Bermondsey and the, 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 the individuals there? I mean, it's, it's also a thing of the character of place and the character of individuals. Now, I wonder if you could tell us a bit about that, because it's, you know, it's the detail and the care and the conversation to me strikes me as something that even though I know there's a plan behind it, actually there's extraordinary humanity behind this. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, absolutely. Um, a, a big success of what what we've been doing is is the committed, um, passionate um, 
connected characters that are, that are part of this um, story. And the blue, the blue Bermondsey is a really good example. And there's actually a brilliant article that was written this weekend in the Guardian um, about the latest developments in in uh, the blue Bermondsey, which is um, a new market square, a revitalised market square, if you like. And as you know, the the Bermondsey has has this rich, fascinating um, history of markets and trading and, and being London's larder and was the home of various factories and warehouses. And, um, and we've kind of worked with um, architects and um, the GLA um, and local market market um, stallholders to work out what what a new market square might look like and there's a series of crafted invention interventions here including a new clock tower a drinking fountain um, market stall canopies seating um, and we have this fantastic new square which um, really celebrates that market place um, that, that the Blue Bermondsey is all about um, Russell Dryden, who's the um, chair of the bid for Blue Bermondsey, he's on our um, working group panel and he's a brilliant character. He's absolutely stalwart and committed to seeing the low line um, happen and um, very much um, part of the piece. Um, there are there are so many different kind of stories and jigsaw pieces which have been part of the low line and, and continue to be. I mean, the first, the original inspiration for the low line was um, Isabella Street in Bankside. I don't know if you know, um, just kind of tucked behind Southwark Station, between Southwark Station and the Cut. Um, it's, a, it's a number, six arches um, with restaurants. It's all food and drink uses. So restaurants, bars, cafes. Oh, Yes, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a, I think it's a Turk, an Anatolian restaurant. Um, and back in 2007, so it's quite some time ago, they transformed the character of the place by planting um, loads and loads of, of planters with um, and created a sense of enclosure and greenery. It's south facing, so it really kind of maximizes um on sun exposure so it just kind of it, it was all about planting and greening of the public realm and it was set back from the main street so suddenly you have this this new little enclave with food and drink and spilling out and greenery um and that was kind of one of the first pieces if you like um we've also got um, Flatiron Square, which was delivered in 2016. That's a lively kind of plaza um, featuring a flea market, street food, um, um, an independent music venue, a mirror. Um, so that was taken on by a local developer who leased five arches. Um, and in the Omira, the independent music venue, is very much the anchor tenant there. You've got activities spilling out on both sides of the railway arches. Um, Old Union Yard, um, that's um, just set back from Blackfriars Road. Um, it's uh, That was directly delivered by Archco and Network Rail. Very much cultural, um, an eclectic mix of theatre and culture. That's um, the Union, uh, union Theatre um, 
has a new home there, legendary Fringe Theatre Company. Um, we've got the Spanish Theatre Company, the Africa Centre, an aerial yoga studio, restaurant. So that's that's another little enclave that was delivered between 2016 and 2020. Um, the Africa Centre opened. Um, Bar Terminus and Maltby Street over in Bermondsey, two kind of centres of food production and consumption. So you've got the markets on Maltby Street all along Rope Walk and Spa Terminus where you've got the kind of almost back office of, of, of the food businesses, the breweries and the food distribution um, businesses. So yeah, lots, lots and lots of different activities and different uses and yeah. It's incredibly rich. I think the way you, you speak about it, I mean, give us an idea of the scale, because, I mean, you, you're, you're mentioning you know, these many, many enclaves that, that are growing over time. And I love the sort of plan long term thought of, well, there is, you know, the, the, a light vision for the low line. But then with each one of these projects, you speak about, you know, wonderful detail and wonderful variety. But how if I walk from end to end, uh, how how far are we talking here? How long would it take me? Um, so east to west, there's um, just under 400 arches um, and about, yeah, 110 square kilometres of space. Um, we, we've got, we've wow. had various various studies that have been done here and one of them looked at the low line arches plus their setting. So the arches plus their setting, which are the kind of roads and lanes kind of just adjacent, are equal to um, 25 hectares, which is the same as Southwark Park. Wow. So pretty staggering. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? And to find that, you know, stitched in there. And I suppose it's it, that, that's one of the things that I think is is incredibly powerful, this project as a, um, yeah, as, as a case study for others in that, you know, whether I think about, you know, Camden that I know very well and you know that the the arch is there or where we're doing some projects in Leeds at the moment you know so many of our Victorian cities have these arches running through them and the opportunity that you speak of as a as a continuous journey rather than a blocker is a fantastic judo flip and that strikes me as a you know great learning but I think the other one is that is you're also you know learning about how you stitch together all these different partnerships you know some of them you know gigantic organizations like network rail or archco and then some of them are a quiet conversation with a storeholder on the edge and i i i love that so tell me about the in terms of i suppose what's happening next and is this or is that a silly question is it always work in progress should it never ever end and is that the joyous thing about it that you as a council are restless in your advocacy and it just gets better and better uh, through time well, what's the answer what do you think about that yeah I think you could yeah I, I think it's always work in progress it's never gonna end it, it's a bit like a, a, a beautiful old Victorian house you know it, there's always going to be work um, that's that's needed and sometimes you're going to need to repair the roof and sometimes you're going to need to sort of look at that little bit of cornicing in, in in the corner so as you said there's such a rich mix of scale here um whether you're talking about the use um in one arch or whether you're talking about a big developer coming along and looking at 
a piece of land that encompasses 40 arches and how how that works as as part of the city um yeah it, that's the beauty of it there's always going to be tinkering and tailoring and yeah it's it's evolving continuously yeah. i think there's it's strange to be that and maybe this is unfair but often we we don't think of councils being able to work at all these different scales so you know you're, you're speaking of things that are around supporting with policy and licensing and planning but then you're also talking about the nitty-gritty of of that you know pocket park here or or that canopy there and is it I mean what is the secret to this success do you think is it that the same people have been on it for 10 years is it the enduring quality of that vision and the fact that you know you've been able to rally people on and almost get out the way what, what do you think is the critical thing there i think it's a it's a combination i think um yes we we have got a committed um group of individuals that have been working on this for a long time internally i also think it's um it's about a really good job in comms actually really good messaging and um internal advocacy making sure that we all as a council not just regeneration but planning property um all of us are kind of on board on the same page and we're all pulling in the same direction um so when when a developer comes along with a planning application and they're talking to somebody in development management there are there is that awareness and that consciousness and and conversation with with other parts of the council and actually then we all go for a walk together and we point yeah. at things and we say look can we make sure this happens or that happens and um so that's kind of internally and and of course as as we've talked about we've got this great network of people who are also kind of who have eyes um on the same sort of vision on the same target and you know we've got our um business improvement districts who do a fantastic job of campaigning um with their networks and yeah so it, it is it is a very human mm. sort of centric thing about you know everybody working together you know on their own individually but then coming back together and, and keeping it going and keeping keeping it shaped it's such a great idea every everyone's committed to it everyone's everyone loves it everyone's passionate about it it's, it's rare you find that and I like your body language there where it's sort of spiraling back your hand you're spiraling and I think that's really interesting that you speak for you know I think people often you know they speak a lot about place making but almost I mean, uh, Yolanda Barnes I heard her talk about the other day is place keeping mm -hmm. and I think your that spirit of going for a walk as a critical act of place keeping seems to be critical to this and uh, i i love that I, I guess also that sort of that that uh, b b creates a level playing field too that rather than sitting in a boardroom where there's a thing of hierarchy and also it's very easy to get lost in a diagram you're out there on the ground and that makes a big difference it, it's very different in that there isn't a master plan this isn't a council project there isn't a document that says this is what we want from the low line and this is how to do it and this is who's in charge and and this is who's paying for it 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 doesn't belong to anybody it is everybody's yeah. and it's it's happening in different ways at different times um and i think that's important um 
because then we can facilitate at different times with different ways what happens you know something can happen in two years and then something's going to happen in 20 years and um yeah that i mean i i I find that incredibly powerful there isn't a master plan you know that but 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 there is essentially an, an understanding of this journey of destinations as you speak about i mean 25 years ago the world fell in love with that phrase the guggenheim effect and you know councils all over the world were wanting to build singular destinations that would then have a halo effect whereas i think what's wonderful about what you're talking about is much more that kind of you know highline vibe which is the care for something that evolves and something that's about a journey and something that can grow and change and i think it's it's essentially something which we're all more interested in it can be a thing of many hands rather than that opera house that is or gallery which would never be that yeah absolutely so tell me, in terms of then, if we were to to learning for, uh, you know, other cities or other city centres, and I know this is an te- awful, awful question, but if I look at my notes here, which I'd be madly scrolling down about, you know, the, you know, collective impact, council advocacy, you know, this sort of almost the importance of the journey and walking together and the spirit of place growing organically, it strikes me that these are, key points but maybe your key point shouldn't be that we're gonna gold plate any of those phrases that it is constantly work in progress and a thing born of conversation and walking together maybe that's the only thing i I should really gold plate what what do you think what should we 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 take from this i think it's it's you can replicate this so many places can't you I mean that in the UK we have swathes of of um, railway arches and the gift is that we've we've just got one um, one body if you like one organization at the moment to to deal with here and if it's about um, if it's about a set number of um, common uh, goals then yeah it's about placemaking and and the space uh, and, and and what sorts of things that we need to think about there so whether it's um reflecting the neighborhoods um looking at those connections um maintaining that low line aesthetic you know at the end of the day these are historic industrial pieces of infrastructure so looking at local identity through through materiality and facades and proportions and all of that um then there's the business and economy piece which i think again is 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 something that we'll feel all across you know across the country where we're at a time now where local authorities everywhere are trying to support um businesses coming through a post-pandemic environment um, so looking at those levers which could be considered important to protect anchor businesses to help the local economy to act you know railway arches are a great space for incubator businesses the small and medium um size enterprises which are the backbone of this economy so so that piece and then of course the people people in the community just you know how can the low line be a good neighbor how can the low line be created to act as a as a good as a good thing for for residents for businesses um for visitors 
it's it's a masterclass in how to you know grow that collective impact in a way that is on the terms of your participants you know i remember you telling me but when i first met you that talked about the the differences and actually the great strength is the many differences and the many groups and many individuals and that's the thing that makes it this compelling and variegated experience because you know one cares about that so much so if we then to get everybody out there walking the low line as a last thought where where might you know this weekend getting out onto the low line where should they begin and uh, and how and they and I guess they should spend a whole day, shouldn't they? Oh, at, at least there's so many places to go. Right. Well, start early doors at the Blue Bermondsey Market and check out some local traders in their beautifully designed new square. On to Spa Terminus, uh, Rope Walk and Maltby Street Market for a fantastic London larder breakfast. Foodie heaven here. You've got coffee, bakeries, cheese, breweries, charcuterie, everything you'd want. So definitely do that. Um, then weave along west, past White's Grounds uh, Skate Park, Hollywood Street and Vinegar Yard for pop-up shops and a maker's market through London Bridge and Borough Market and find yourself in Flatiron Square in Bankside. Um, browse the flea market, have a pint, catch a gig at O'Meara's and then hop over to Old Union Street Arches at Great Suffolk Street where you can do a trapeze class, you can watch a play at the Union Theatre and then over the road to Ev on Isabella Street you can end your day surrounded by beautiful greenery and enjoy a sumptuous Turkish meal reflecting on your low-line day. It's so wonderful. Well, look, thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed, you know, hearing about the, the nitty-gritty of it and how it's grown over time. And I think, you know, it's such a wonderful project. And I think what we'll do is we'll make sure we put some links, uh, uh, you know, beside this this podcast so that people can connect with these places and create their own journey and then feedback on what they've learned and, and what it kind of, you know, meant to them. So, Ruby, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you for listening to the Free Thinking Podcast today. Do subscribe so you know when the next episodes are and do leave us a comment so we can get better and better. Thank you and see you soon.